up your Bibles to Revelation chapter 4. Yes, this is the biblical relationships class. And yes, I did just have you turn to Revelation chapter 4. And yes, we did just talk about Revelation chapter 4 Wednesday night. This is going to be the introductory lesson to this class. And I've titled it chapter 1, A Prelude to the End. Sounds very ominous, but then again, when discussing biblical relationships, most of the time it is ominous. Um, I got to tell you guys, I am absolutely terrified in the best possible way for how this is going to go. When I say terrified, I mean terrified. I'll talk more about it as we go on with this message. Um, but just to know, uh, you know, in the summertime, we did a, a, I passed out index cards to all of you about what's, and I asked a question, you know, just getting some basic info, but I asked you guys, what is one series you think would drastically change your life over the course of the next six months? And you, well, not unanimously, but by and large, most of you had put down biblical relationships to some degree or another, whether it was that actual title or whether it was, hey, how do I just navigate, you know, right friendships with people? How do I find the right friends? How do I hang out with godly people? And what sort of relationships do I have with the lost? We're going to be discussing those things as well. And when it comes to biblical relationships, yes, we always are looking at the big, the big kahuna of it all, dating and dating relationships. But you guys understand there are other relationships that are in our lives and in our realm that we have to discuss. And even to a degree that certain topics that we've not discussed in the history of the people who have done this class before in this very room. Uh, the relationship with you guys and your parents. We're going to talk about that. Sibling relationships. Friendships with the lost world and with the saved world. And of course, dating. But before we begin all of that, we have to set the stage. And I wrestled with how to set the stage this week. And it wasn't until I, I came here last night and decided to drastically set up the room, more on that in a second, and decided to actually come in here and just get alone, completely blocked out the silence, just be here in complete silence. And this study sheet was born about 12 hours ago, 14 hours ago, more so. And this is different. It's different than the way that we've started this class out before. So I have no idea how it's going to go. But I trust that this is where God wanted us to be, and I know that this is where God has me right now. So in the introduction, relationships are the very heartbeat of God. Now think about this. He created Adam and Eve to have a relationship with them, delivered the nation of Israel countless times so that they might know Him, sent His Son to die on the cross so that we might know Him, and will put the world through a literal hell so that all of Israel will know him again. Now you guys probably caught the words that are in the parenthesis there, but that's the entire Bible from beginning to end. In summary of the entire Bible, as seen in the sentence above, there are no lengths to which God will not go to have a relationship with his creation. That is absolutely fundamental. You read the Bible and you read it from that lens, it is impossible to mistake just how far God will go because of how much He cares about having a relationship with His creation. Having created you in His image, He gave you the capacity to love as He loves. Having restored you in His image at salvation, you now have the power to love as He loves. 
Acts 1.8, Jesus tells his disciples in the very last words before he ascends up on high, that, I, that you are going to receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come unto you, and ye shall be what? Anybody know what he says after that? To his disciples right before he ascends, you shall be witnesses throughout all of the world. That's the power he gives through his spirit. And I put down 2 Timothy 1.7, which is a, a highlight verse of mine. I studied it. It was one of the very first memory verses I ever memorized when I started walking with God. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He gave us the power to love as He loves when we got saved. Now, as we grow in our walk with Christ, relationships should become our heartbeat as well. If Christ lives inside of you and you're walking with Him, your heart will beat after the same things His heart beats after. If not, you've got to do a heart check, and that's what today's all about. However, before we tackle the various types of relationships biblically, we need to begin with the end. Sorry for the typo there. We need to begin with the end. The end of the most important relationship you will ever have. I guess I should probably go over to Revelation chapter 4 with you guys. Oh, there I am. One of the things that's been, um, it's been a blessing for the past year of my life is, uh, you know, as I've been having my full-time job and leading this ministry, you know, there's been a wealth and a well of curriculum that I've been able to go to, you know, to whereas there have been some nights where the Wednesday night series will be curriculum that's already been done, and the Sunday morning series is something that I studied and wrote based upon my relationship with God, and then vice versa, you know, and there's been times where that, and the thing with all of our curriculum that we teach here from, you know, junior high, senior high to the adult ministry, you always take it and you always make it your own. You always put yourself into it. You take things out. You put verses in that spoke to you about that. You never just do what somebody else has done before. And when it came to this, I really wrestled. Because we have adult curriculum. This is one of our core electives of getting into the Bible Institute, which as a reminder, for all the study sheets we go through in this class, save them. Because if you plan, or even if you don't plan, you should still keep them. If you plan on going to the Bible Institute one day, your Sunday school senior high material will count as your credit. Keep these study sheets. But we have curriculum in the adult material that I could pull from. Stephen had a wealth of stuff that I could have pulled from. Because on Wednesday nights, I'm studying for the Q&A series. But as I was looking at all the material that I could go from, and I wanted to do that just for the sake of time, for the sake of not alienating my family, because that would be counterproductive for this entire class. But as I was going through it, I just did not have a piece about going through somebody else's material. And I really, really wrestled this past week, and I struggle with confidence to begin with. I'm always doubting God and what He's doing in my life. But I really struggled this past week. I didn't have a piece about doing somebody else's material, but at the same time, I didn't have a piece about where I was supposed to go with leading it myself. You want to pay attention to the things that God does in your week. You want to pay attention to the events, the circumstances, the things that He shows you. 
you'll be amazed as to how that plays into what you're supposed to be teaching on for those of you who teach in Bible studies at school or for those of you who disciple others. No idea planned that a question from Wednesday night would come back in a way for biblical relationships. And hopefully it makes sense to you by the end of it. But look at Revelation chapter 4. Garrett, we're going to start with you, and we're going to snake this way. We're going to go straight across, hop the aisle over to Sammy, and then snake back this way. Everybody just take one verse. We'll read down to verse 11. Go ahead, Garrett. After this I looked, and behold, the heart opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will... Shrew three things would show thee things. Show, yeah, the things must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper or sardon stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings of voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had a face of a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and the rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 mm -hmm. Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to the, him that sat on the throne, who liveth, who liveth forever and ever. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this incredible chapter. This is going to be happening very soon for all of us who know You. And really, this chapter is going to set the stage for everything we cover in this class from here on out. I ask that you would have the glory, you would have the preeminence, that you would speak to each and every single one of our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. One day, our relationship with Christ by faith will be made sight. You know, we talked about this before in past classes on Revelation. Chapter 4, John the Apostle, he's the one who's writing this. He gets this heavenly vision. He's a type and a picture of the church. And here we have in verse 1 a picture. Actually, it's not a picture. It's the literal rapture of the church where John is ascending up in heaven. He hears a voice as it were the sound of a trumpet which as you study 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, you'll see that the trump is what we hear right before the rapture happens. And we are going to hear a voice, as you also study Song of Solomon, that says, Come up hither. And he says, Immediately I was in the Spirit. As I had said on Wednesday night, chapters 2 and 3 are church history. And immediately after chapter 3, immediately at the close of the Revelation church period, you have the rapture happening. 
The church is not mentioned anywhere in the rest of the book of Revelation until chapter 19. It's a tribulation period. The rapture kickstarts that. And everything we just read in chapter 4 after that talks about what's going to happen the mere seconds after we're out of here. If you're in here and you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is a soon coming day. Which means all the events and everything that we just read, everything we see, is going to be happening within mere seconds. If the rapture took place right now, we're living this. And it's so funny because the book of Revelation, as I, I've talked before, it's such a book that is seen as such this big doctrinal book. And I feel as though the devotional aspect of it is so often missed with all the stuff that goes on in it. Case in point, John's writing this as he's seeing it. But do you realize there came a point after chapter 22 where John had to go back to his physical body? John saw all of these things. The cherubim that we studied Wednesday night as we just saw in verses 6 through 8, he saw them with his own eyes. The four and twenty elders which are representative of the church because they cast crowns before Christ, and only the church gets crowns, he got to see those four and twenty elders cast all of their crowns before the one who was worthy. And he got to see all of heaven worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then he had to come back down here on earth. Can you imagine how much that would affect his life? Can you imagine how that would have affected his day-to-day -day living? Those little petty issues that he went through, the little things that, that distracted him or that got him down throughout his day, do you think he saw those through at the same lens ever again after getting a glimpse of heaven? The big issues of life that even doubted his faith, do you think the first thing that went to his thought and through his mind processing was, oh man, one day this is all going to be over. These trials that I have, the persecution that I've suffered, my body is in paralysis right now. One day my suffering is going to be over. Because he got a glimpse of this. We often think about that, but you know what we often don't think about? Every time you and I read this, we get the same glimpse. By faith. We don't physically see it. But it can have just as much, if not more, of an effect on us if we look at it with eyes to see and with ears to hear. And if we get a vision of what John got a vision of, it'll affect our day-to-day -day life too. It'll affect the relationships that we have with people on this planet. And we will never be the same. I want you to understand the idea that at this moment in history, when this happens to you and I, you will no longer have to walk by faith. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 to 9, that we do walk by faith right now, not by sight. But one day, that's all going to change because we're finally going to see Him face to face. We won't need to spend time in our Bibles. We won't need to have those moments of prayer where we're pouring out our heart before Him. He'll be right there. He'll be before our very face in those moments in time. And not only that, look at point one on your outline. When we see Him at the rapture, the Bible says that we will be just 
like Him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 on the TV. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. You don't have eternal life when you die. You have it now if you're saved. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be what? Like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Now, of course, it's talking about the resurrected Christ. Do you guys remember those stories in the gospel of what Jesus was like after the resurrection? How, like, the disciples were in a closed room, and then all of a sudden, boom, in twinkling of an eye, Jesus just showed up right in the midst of it? You and I will be like Him. We'll be able to transport through time and space in the blink of an eye. Not only that, He's the Word. He is the living Word. If we're going to be like Him, we're going to know all of the answers to all of the Bible, just like that. All the questions that we're covering on Wednesday night that you don't have the answers for, if the rapture were to happen between now and Wednesday, you would have all of those questions answered. And then the ones that no one has ever asked before, because they've not dug deep enough. You know it instantaneously. Instantaneously. We're going to be just like Him. 1 Corinthians 15.49 says, And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. He then goes on in verses 50 to 58 talking about the rapture, how this corruptible, this corruptible body must put on incorruption. And this mortal, this mortal body, it must put on immortality, eternal life. This is the groaning that we talked about as review in Romans chapter 8. That our body is groaning. The Spirit of God within us is groaning to have this heavenly body, to shed this earthly tabernacle, and to be like Him. It's happening one day at the rapture. Question for you, as I reminded you in Romans, question for you, do you groan for that day? Every single day, are you desiring for this to happen? I'm going somewhere with this. Keep following along. Philippians 3.21, he says again, at this day, at the rapture, that God is going to change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. On your outline, to summarize all of this, in the not-too-distant future, the bride of Christ, that's you if you're saved, will lay eyes on the bridegroom, that's Jesus. And in summary, you will never commit sin against Him ever again. You will never speak one word that goes contrary to His will. You will never think one more impure thought for all of eternity. You will have a transformed body fashioned unto His glorious body. For all of time, you and the Lord Jesus Christ will be one in perfect harmony and unity as your entire being will be forever changed. That is for sure happening when we get to Revelation chapter 4. When that happens to us when we're standing before the throne and we get to see these wild beasts of Ezekiel 1 and Ezekiel 10, 
When we get to see the four and twenty elders fall down and cast crowns before Him. And when we get to sing, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. When that happens, we'll be forever changed. You'll no longer have to live by faith. I asked you guys at the beginning, what did God share with you this week? And I don't know, I'm hoping that most of you were maybe shy or most of you maybe you're like, yeah, I was in my Bible, but there was nothing really like, oh man, this is share worthy. Which, by the way, you don't know that. Maybe there's somebody in here that you might think this is not share worthy. Maybe somebody else in here needs to hear what God showed you. So don't hesitate. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But do you realize that there is coming a day those times where God speaks to you, when God shows you something very unique in the Psalms and it touches a chord with your heart, that's never going to happen again. The answers to prayer that you thought were impossible, that you're praying to a God whom you cannot physically see, whom you cannot audibly hear back from, whom you cannot physically touch, whom you cannot feel a physical embrace from, and yet it's the most intimate, personal relationship that you have above even your relationship with your parents, that's going to end one day. I don't know about you guys. Maybe some of you in here are like, man, I can't wait for that. I can't wait just to know all the answers of the Bible. For me, I think about those times in my life where I didn't know what the answer was going to be, what God was doing in my life. And I thought, the only thing I have left to do is just to trust God in this situation. And I can't visibly see Him. I can't audibly hear from Him. Man, how much easier would it be if I could just know the answer right now and I didn't have to trust Him by faith. I'm telling you guys, if you've ever been through a situation like that, or if you've ever heard from God in your quiet time where He said something that was straight to your heart, and to nobody else. Those are special moments. That is intimacy or closeness. It's personal fellowship with your husband, Jesus Christ. And yeah, it'll be different and it'll be great and glorious in the future. But these special times of quiet time where you get to hear from him through a book That'll be all over one day. Because we're going to be changed to be completely like Him. Where am I going with this? And point number two. It's not just about that day. Because for as long as we're on this earth prior to that day... God wants to change us every day to look more like Him. This is just the rehearsal dinner for the wedding day. Every single day you wake up in your walk with Christ, it's the rehearsal dinner of what's supposed to be on that day. Where we are being changed inside out to look more like Him as we walk with Him. Hold your place here in Romans 4. Turn over to Rome, or sorry, Revelation 4. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. Again, it should be reviewed to you guys. 
But I want you looking at it from the perspective as we discuss biblical relationships and our most important relationship with Christ. Romans 8, look at verse 29. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate, not to salvation, predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. It has always been God's plan since eternity past to have a people group who looked just like Him. Even though we're saved, we have the image restored, we still have this vile body. We still have a mind that sometimes wanders off. We still have a heart that is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. And we still want to go back to that old nature. We want to go back to the way that old man was before salvation. And that's why, as we're more that we're spending in His Word, He is going to change us to be more like His dear Son. Turn over to chapter 12. I told you these verses are going to come up again and again. Verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I hope you guys went back and listened to last Sunday's message, last Sunday's main message about these very things, about where we're going in the future. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Every single day, your mind is either going to be conformed to this world or it's going to be transformed unto God. You are either going to be more like your old nature or you're going to be more like Him. The point I'm trying to make, very simply put, Every single day, you should be changing. Every single day, there should be changes. Because every single day, whether you think about it or not, there are changes. It's just either conformed to this world or transformed to be in the image of His Son. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. Here's a different one. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. This should happen every time you come before the throne to meet with Him, whether in prayer or the Word, to start off your day. And He says in verse 10, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of Him that created Him. That is what the goal is. Turn back to Revelation chapter 4. Every single day, in your relationship with your husband, Jesus Christ, the most important relationship you will ever have, you should be changed to look more like Him in preparation for the day when you will be like Him. So how's that going? Are you being more like the world or more like Him? Because as I mentioned Wednesday night, these four beasts, these four cherubim, they're representative of the four what? Hmm? It was just three days ago. The eagle, the man, the ox, the lion. They're representative of the four what? 
Oh, the four classes of angels. Okay, I guess maybe I worded that wrong. But they're also representative of the way that Matthew, Mark, Luke, John wrote the four Gospels. Remember we touched on that, as we have several times over? You remember when I said that these four beasts, the reason why they are so much like Him is because they are so much with Him in His presence? Look again at verse 8. Sorry, verse 6. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And it talks about how they were. In verse 8, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within it, and they rest not day and night in his presence, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. The only, or this only, this change of being more like His dear Son. If you and I want to be more like Him today and tomorrow and the next day, so that we can better be like Him in our relationships with our parents, in our relationships with the lost people at school, in our possible dating relationships. If you want to be like Him, you must be with Him. It only comes from spending time in His presence. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass. Talking about the Word of God. It's a glass darkly. We see the Word of God, but one day our faith is going to be seen in sight with Him. But when we behold this open, with open face, the glass, the glory of the Lord, the Word of God, what happens to us? What does it say? We're changed into the same image from glory to glory, from day to day, in other words, you could say, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Do you guys remember in the book of Exodus, when Moses goes up to the mount to be with God to get the Ten Commandments? Moses was done speaking with them. He put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. Jump down to verse 35. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses from spending time in God's presence that the skin of Moses' face, what? And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. From the time that Moses spent in the presence of God Almighty, his face was shining so bright like God who is light in John 9, that the children of Israel had to tell him, dude, put a veil on. It's so bright. Your light is shining so bright in the midst of this darkness. He was in the presence of God. He looked like God. He was changed. It only comes from being in His presence And there are so many things in this day and in this world that has been constructed to rob us from our time being with God. Namely, relationships, devices, 
that show that I'm binge watching, my extracurricular activities in sports, my schoolwork, so many things in this day and age have been constructed to rob you of that precious time spent in his presence. And we have to be careful. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm getting somewhere with it. But hopefully you're starting to see. Change is good. But we don't like change, do we? Case in point. It's funny. Andy brought up Friday night we had a leaders meeting about the idea of changing the room around. And I thought, huh, that would actually go great with Sunday's lesson. And you know how many of you verbally expressed how much you hate it? Hey, so do I. This is driving me crazy right now. I love it. Because I hate change in general. But it's what we're called to do. Not us. Just spending time in his presence. Not, I did my devotions today. I read my chapter today. No. Were you in his presence? We tend in this day and age to want to go through things quick because we live in a day and age of instant gratification. We want things now. I'm telling you, that's one of the worst things about ha having a smartphone. There was a comedian who, who made this joke about, he's like talking about how people who complain like whenever their phone starts to lag a little bit, like, oh, stupid Wi-Fi's down. And you're like, dude, do you realize you have an entire computer on your phone that you could take with you and it fits in your pocket? That is an amazing invention. But look at how upset we get when it starts to lag. We're trying to stream something because we want everything now because we're so used to getting everything now and it's carried over into our Bible time. So whereas we think if we just spend 15 minutes of reading a chapter or two chapters that we're in his presence and we're missing it and we're convincing ourselves that we're being changed into his image and we're not. And so when we go out to have these relationships with our parents or our friends at school or maybe even in dating... We're missing the foundations of the basic fundamentals of the most important relationship, our relationship with Christ. Look at verse 9 of Revelation 4. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever. What did the beasts do again? They gave glory. Letter B. You guys get the blank for letter A? This only comes from spending time in His presence. Letter B. And that's where we come to give to Him and not expect anything in return. When was the last time that you went before the Lord for your quiet time and you said, Lord... I don't care if I get anything out of today. If I'm being honest, I don't pray that prayer. And I remember in high school, there were a lot of times where like, man, I'm not getting out of th anything out of my Bible reading right now. 
I'm not getting anything. It's, it's dry right now. I'm not getting anything out of Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings. I'm not getting anything out of my Bible reading. Maybe that's just the problem. You're coming to your husband to get something from him instead of going to him to give him the glory and the honor he deserves because of what he's done. Instead of approaching the throne and saying, Lord, here I am. What do you want from me? What do you want to show me today? Maybe it's nothing jaw-dropping today, but you know what? I'm here for you. And this is your time. I'm going to give you my time over to be with you. And maybe you don't even want me opening up my Bible right now. Maybe you just want me to be here and just to pour out my heart to you about things that I'm really struggling with that I've been keeping inside for a while and I've not told anybody. Hmm. Maybe that's what he wants. Psalm 96, 8 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts, His presence to give, not to get. You know how many relationships, friendships, family or otherwise have been destroyed because people want to get out of it instead of give into it? Letter C. Look at verses 10 and 11. The four and twenty elders fall down before him and sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, again, these four and twenty elders, they're representative of the church. Some people thought it would be the twelve apostles and then maybe the twelve uh, heads of the tribes of Israel. That's not the case. Whether they're pastors or pillars of church history, we don't know. We're just going to have to find out when we get there. But they are representative of the church. But look what they say in verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and don't miss this, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. God wants to change us every day to look more like Him, and this only comes from spending time in His presence where we come to give to Him and not expect anything in return, where we come, let us see, to demonstrate how much He's worth to us in true worship. You know what these four and twenty beasts, or these four and twenty elders and these four beasts are really showing us here? What true, genuine worship is. And you've probably heard me say before, worship is nothing more than demonstrating His worth-ship. How much He's worth to you. How valuable is He to you? That's worship. That's why Jesus said, John 4.23, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the True worshipers, which note, if he says true worshipers, what does that imply? That there's false worshipers. There's a false way to do it. True worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit 
and in truth, in spirit. It means that your heart has to change because our hearts desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. It recalls a, a mind transformation, our mind being more like unto his and conformed to his image. We need to worship him in that spirit, which means change should be happening there. And in truth, from the word of God, in his presence through the pages of this book. Why? For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. When you come into His presence, are you demonstrating how much He's worth to you? Will you just tell Him and praise Him for His goodness? Or is it, thank you for this day, thank you for Bible time, thank you for, uh, pray that you just get me something out of this. In Jesus' name, Amen. much more and he's worthy of so much more therefore if we want to handle all of the relationships that we have and will have in the most biblical way we must be daily allowing our heavenly husband to change us to be more like him understand guys Everything will flow out of this. Everything. Your relationship with your mom and your dad, your relationship with your stepmom, your stepdad, the relationship with your siblings, relationship with your friends that are saved in this room, relationship with your friends that are lost at school, and anybody you're thinking about possibly dating, everything flows out of this principle. So take your walk with Christ Seriously. Deadly seriously. And number two. We just came off of how to study the Bible. I said that there's maybe three of the rules that are of the utmost importance when it comes to this principle. Context factor. Comparing Scripture with Scripture. And what was the more internal one that I had talked about? Anybody remember? The attitude factor. And it states this. If we want to glean the most out of this study, not how to study the Bible, this study, we must be willing to change our attitude and beliefs on relationships when we find it goes contrary to God's Word. The Word of God needs to be your final authority. Listen, we're wrapping up here. Don't pack up. The Word of God needs to be your final authority. You know what that means? The Word of God above what your parents say. The Word of God above what your leaders say. The Word of God above what society tells you. The Word of God needs to take preeminence over what your thoughts and your opinions and what you feel about biblical relationships. You need to change your attitude, your beliefs, your mind to line up with what the Word of God says when you find that those things go contrary to what the book says. Because I'm telling you now, Somewhere along the line, might be next week, two weeks from now, or in the future, somewhere along the line, something from God's Word is going to rub you the wrong way in this study. Yeah, I'll throw in my experiences. I will throw in my life story. I will throw in advice and maybe practical tips from there. I'm not talking about that. 
I'm saying something from this book will rub you the wrong way when it comes to this class. You need to be willing to change what you think, what you believe, or what you've been taught to make sure it lines up with this book. I hate change. But it's the very essence of our walk. Every single day. So don't miss it. Don't let eternity be when the change finally takes place for you. Let it start today. And let's start the next day, and the day after that, and the day after that. Let God have His way with you, His bride, because it's the most important relationship, biblically speaking. Everything else will flow out of this. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you very much for, again, what an amazing book Revelation is, and how devotional and practical it really is. Lord, there's a lot of deep doctrinal stuff in it, that causes us to want to know more, but man, the heart behind it. Even as something as creepy as those four beasts. I pray that as each of us spend time with you in your presence this week, that we would come away looking more like you. And if we're not, then something needs to change. Father, please have your hand on the rest of uh, the messages coming out of this because I don't know where you're going with it. But I'm going to trust you week by week, day by day. I need to. Because I'm not walking by sight, I'm walking by faith. And I hope everybody else in this room does as well. We love you. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.